Welcome to the Changelog, episode 0.3.5. I'm Adam Stokoviak. And I'm Wynn Netherland. This is the Changelog. We cover what's fresh and new in the world of open source. If you found us on iTunes, we're also on the web at thechangelog.com. We're also up on GitHub. Head to github.com forward slash explore. You'll find some trending repos, some feature repos from our blog, as well as the audio podcasts. And if you're on Twitter, follow Changelog Show. And I'm Adam Stack. And I'm Penguin, P-E-N-G-W-Y-N-N. Chatted this week with Max Howell from Homebrew. You a homebrew user? I uh, yeah, I, I aim to be. I think I have it, and I'm using it, and it's made life uh, simpler. But I haven't actually used it in a while. It's let me cut the cord with Mac ports and think some other projects to manage packages on OS ten. It's got not wouldn't say a bad install process, but it's a little beefy for a designer. I was kind of hoping it would talk against that, but uh, training wheels can only come so big. <laughs> Thanks. I love uh, homebrew, uh, you know, I especially love the beer theme. We riffed on that quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. The notion of kegs and cellars and, and whatnot. I think it's, you know, we've exposed this in a couple repos we've commented on or had on the podcast in the past, but having fun and humor in the, in the syntax and in the installation processes or the, the wiki, the documentation, it's kind of fun. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that uh, he said in the interview that I absolutely agree with is if you're doing an open source project, it's got to be something that, you know, you use yourself or you won't be motivated to keep it going. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Max built Homebrew to scratch an itch and it's kind of taken off. So I know that uh, I'm a user, you're a user. And uh, for the folks that are hollering for non-web content, here you go, Homebrew. Yeah, I also want to plug something else as well. Uh, We partnered with Jason Cipher of the Ruby Show and the Dev Show fame. Uh, he runs a site called GeniusPool.com. It's a job board designed to connect employers and job seekers in a very targeted manner. It's got this very cool thing called the Genius Pool Network. Uh, it gives extra opportunities for promoting your job to the right kind of audience. We're a part of it. The Dev Show is obviously in it, and the Ruby Show is in it. So if you're hiring a developer, you could choose the Change Law, the Dev Show, and even the Ruby Show uh, as extra promotion for your job. So head to GeniusPool.com right now, and if you post a job, Check the box next to the change log for an extra hundred bucks, and we'll read it on air. Geniuspool.com. Everybody out of the pool. <laughs> Fun episode this week. Should we get to it? Let's do it. We're joined today by Max Howell, founder of the Homebrew Project, to talk to us about package management on OS X. So Max, why don't you introduce yourself and let the folks know who you are. Uh, well, hi everyone. I'm Max Howell. I started the Homebrew Project about a year ago, and it's uh, been quite successful. Uh, before that, I started programming when I was six. In fact, my dad came in one day when I was playing Super Mario and insisted I stop, which I wasn't very happy about. But uh, he uh, put me down in front of our computer and started teaching me how to program. And when I realised that I could probably make my own Super Mario, I became more enthusiastic. And since then, I've been doing it on and off. I never really intended to do programming as a career, but having done like a chemistry degree, I decided that I didn't like chemistry very much. It wasn't really about changing the world like I expected it to, as much as making potions and solutions and small measurements upon them. And I, uh, I fell back on my programming. So I, uh, I started working at Lost FM a few years ago, and... It was working at Lost FM that made me interested in package management on Mac because I found the existing solutions to be not exactly to my liking as a developer. But I never got around to doing it. And uh, 
I was, well, I was going to say that I work at Tweedeck now. So I, I uh, left last time, uh, last year, and now I work at Tweedeck. I work on their mobile and client software. When I was at last firm, I worked on their mobile, mobile and client software as well. I was a lead developer. I'm lead developer at Tweedeck as well. I know Adam's a big Twitter user, probably has lots of questions on, on TweetDeck in a minute, but to talk it's first great. to talk first about uh, Homebrew, so what, um, what led you to, to kick off the project? Was it just one too many Image Magic installs? <laughs> uh, yeah, stuff like that. Like I, had a, I have a quite a large Linux background. Uh, before I was filming, I worked on a project called Amarok, which... Uh, was and probably still is one of the bigger music applications on Linux. Uh, I joined the project when it was very fresh, uh, it, but it had potential, I could tell by looking at it. And I worked on that for two and a half years. And uh, well, the package management on Linux is mostly great. We always thought there was like a, a niche area for like a developer package management solution. Like that. You don't always want what the system gives you. And while working at Last FM, I had to do an awful lot of package packaging of our software, like for the desktop. We we did Windows, Mac, and Linux, and I had to manage the packaging of each system. And I God, I hate packaging. Uh, C++, which I never really want to have to do again, is a real bitch to uh, package up in a into a binary that will work on all the different systems. And when our client had lots of separate dependencies that were very difficult to manage, and I was using Mac ports and I was developing on Mac, and I just felt that I couldn't get enough control over what it was producing, and I wanted to have control over it. Like quite possibly, there's a way to get control over it, but the whole project didn't seem geared around that. It seemed like it was geared around uh, giving people a solution to getting software onto their computers. Well, I wanted a solution for developers that would allow you to get what you needed for the work you were doing. So I would constantly moan about this at the pub uh, every Friday with people there when we were talking about our work for the week. And eventually someone just told me to do it. I was like, well, like, I guess I could. <laughs> so one day I just started making it. And like within a few hours, I had something which was basically great really it was all I really needed like I'd had ideas for a few years about putting things into separate directories and symlinking everything into the main tree so that you, you could easily manage it without having to use tools I never understood why you needed like these elaborate tools for managing small bits of Unix software uh, these massive black boxes which don't make any sense because it's not really that difficult there's not much to it so I wanted a system where you could just do it with your own tools uh, if you want but there is a convenience tool so that you can get things done quickly if you want so i uh i just started building that and well <laughs> i put it on github because that's where all the cool people were putting things sure and i chose ruby because that's what all the cool people were doing and i wanted to look cool <laughs> although i had done some ruby it was an uh, admittedly my first big Ruby project, and I liked it a lot, the stuff I'd done before, but it was mostly scripting stuff. As I say, I was really uh, a C++ developer at this point. I hadn't done much Ruby, uh, which I think you can see in the code base. Uh, it does look like a noob wrote it. <laughs> For the uninitiated, explain a bit about the anatomy of a, a homebrew package, the formulas. Um, 
Yeah, so I just I just wanted something which was as simple as possible. That was what I was going for. So a homebrew formula, a package recipe, is just a Ruby script. Uh, it's a class, a Ruby class, and you define some metadata at the top, the minimal amount of metadata. I was like, why do you need all this duplicate metadata for like description and stuff? And I've had people say to me in the time since, let's add a description field. And I'm like, well, you know, like the web is where the description is. You go to the homepage. So there's a homepage field. That's it. There's no description. So if you want to know what the package is about, you can type brew home and the package name, and then you can see. Like, I didn't want to duplicate all this information and have to keep it up to date. I wanted the minimal amount of work I had to do to keep this project going. I didn't want to have to update description fields. And then uh, there's an install function, which literally just runs the scripts that are required to install the thing. And it installs it into a, its own prefix. So if you've installed Homebrew to user local, there's a directory in there called seller. Uh, which is part of the beer theme, which I'm proud of. <laughs> and uh, inside that, there's like, say, wget is what you're installing. There's a wget folder. And inside that, there's another folder, which is the version. And so it installs there, and then it just symlinks it into user local. So you have these encapsulated folders. It's the Gobo Linux approach. This is where I, I got the idea from. It's not mine. Gobo Linux, and maybe they didn't even invent this. Like, uh, I'm sure they would like to claim they did but you know I, i've heard of other projects doing similar things before but it just seemed like a sensible way to do it for an auxiliary package manager for osx and hope really tries to complement the system it's not trying to like be its own autarky like mac ports does that's one of the things i didn't like about mac ports but so yes the formula has an install function it has a few other little bits of things like you can show some caveats in case there's like some issues that the person installing the package needs to know. And that's one of the things about homebrew that is also the case. It's, it's not meant to like hold your hand too much. It does the bare minimum, which is install the software. And then it tells you what the issues are after that. So you can deal with it because you're smart. You're a developer. You know what's going on. So uh, I want you to have the power to do what you need with the software you're installing. So let's talk about the that a little bit. In the installation, you uh, you mentioned to delete uh, these two different directories, user local include and user local lib. Can you talk about that a bit and why and what kind of troubles sprout about when you don't do that? <laughs> well, you know, this is this is why I don't like C++ and all that anymore. And the entirety of the uh, the Unix system is complicated. Um, basically, user local as a directory will get included. Uh, when you install C software, whatever, really. There is very little we can do to stop it from using those directories. So if you have libraries or include files or headers in there which uh, conflict with the package you're trying to install, it will cause problems and bugs, which it's very difficult for us to prevent. Uh, so really, the, the best bet is just to start fresh there. And we made this brew doctor command in the end because, you know, we... We try to minimize the amount of support we have to do. We want to help you to help yourselves when you're using Homebrew. So as you're deleting some of these things, then the next thing you're going to do is you're going to start doing some installation stuff. So the next thing that comes to mind is when to sudo. What's, uh, what's <laughs> up with the whole solution here with Homebrew and sudo? And, well, because like, we're installing from source, sudo is dangerous. Like, there's massive install scripts that get run, but you can't know what they're doing. And I've seen... Like running like a, a file system watcher to see what stuff goes on. Like some of these packages try to edit core system files 
and you just don't know what it's going to do. Um, there's ways around that. And Mac port site puts everything in a chone root directory, which is the sort of thing that maybe we should do. But instead, we just, you know, yeah, I, we're making a simple solution here. Uh, so no sudo is a very sensible thing to do. And it feels like OS X, doesn't it? You know, you can still text mate without having to sudo. You don't, you know, chone uh, it to root after you've copied it into your applications directory. Admittedly, some of the packages you can install with Homebrew, it would make sense to root them, but we trust you as the guy installing the software to know what you're doing, basically. That's kind of the distinction between Homebrew and the other options. Like Homebrew really is for developers who most of the time probably are just installing a few dependencies they need to compile the gems or the Python eggs that they need to use. So we trust you to know what you're doing. <laughs> basically and uh, sudo is an inconvenience like once you've not used sudo to install stuff you realise it was holding you back right? it's much easier to edit the packages you're installing and customise them how you want if you're not using sudo the whole time I've seen people be adamantly against it because especially if they come from Linux it's the mentality there that all the packages should be installed with uh, root command and like, you know, there's security implications. Let's talk about dependencies for a moment. So how does homebrew manage dependencies between kegs and packages? And um, In a very basic fashion, it has a depends piece of metadata for each formula, which is just a, a name which directly correlates to the file name of the other Formula. Formula are just files on the system. That's how we resolve um, unique naming. The file system is used all over Homebrew. Like when I designed it, I wanted just a very simple system. Simple systems are the ones that work. They're the ones that succeed without anyone having to do too much work. And also the ones with the least bugs. So it just resolves to another file and the packaging system installs that. There isn't anything particularly advanced like other packaging systems have where you can specify versions and stuff. It's not that we don't plan this sort of stuff. It's just in a very typical open source fashion, we've done what we've needed as we go. And we haven't needed anything more advanced yet. I'm kind of hoping that at some point someone will need something more advanced and they'll submit as a patch. And that's basically happened for the whole project. Like Because we based it on GitHub, it had amazing uptake. And... Uh, very, very easy for people to contribute, like nothing else. Like the whole system's based on Git. Uh, I don't know if people realize this about Homebrew, but you know, you install it and that's a Git repository you've just put somewhere. You can put it anywhere you like as well. Uh, I don't know if people realize that. You put it in your home directory. Like we recommend user local because it makes it so much easier to install stuff, like especially gems, like Ruby gems. People put it in their home directory because they're like, well, I don't want to mess around with user local. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's in the user directory. Like, I don't, know, I don't know what that is or whatever they're thinking. I'm sure they have excellent reasons for what they choose. And um, it makes it a lot harder to install gems because this is the problem with C code. It's, it's what people don't realize. that it, it has default directories. It looks for stuff. And this is why installing gems off of Mac ports is always so much of a pain in the bum. It, <laughs> I was going to say arse there. I hope you guys realize. <laughs> Although maybe you want that. So I'll repeat it. Such a pain in the arse. Because 
it was in op local and you had to tell the gem and every gem has its own way of knowing where to look for dependencies and you have to like Google and find a blog post where someone's done it before. If you're still wondering to use local, it just works. Anyway, uh, what was I saying? You can install it wherever you like and uh, it's just a Git repository so you can edit anything and that's one of the beauties of Homebrew as well. Like, it's a system that it's, it built from the ground up for you to be able to manipulate exactly how you want. It's all the packages what, how you want. No messing around with variants and things like that. Just edit the formula yourself. Uh, make it add the extras you need, uh, etc. And then just commit that to your own fork on GitHub. And then you just keep pulling from mine. And Git manages all the merging for you. And you've got this, this almost magical system. That's, that's what I wanted from this whole system. Something where I could manipulate it as I needed for the projects I was working at at work and home. And uh, it just took the pain out of dealing with all these other dependencies and bits of software. And that's really the, uh, the ultimate goal. When I started the project, I also had other ridiculous goals, like everything should be highly optimized and ridiculously fast and no universal binaries because we don't need those, etc. <laughs> and uh, as the project became more popular, uh, it became apparent that these were ridiculously impractical goals. It's the kind of stuff that Gentoo, you know, Gentoo is one of the Linux distributions where uh, it's renowned for its users wanting to optimize to 11 for everything. And uh, I was kind of going down that route just for the fun of it. And I, I've you know, since rejected that policy, although not everyone's happy about that. They seem to want it. But the important thing is the system is practical. It's useful to you. And that's what I try to maintain. So talking about formulas, you're you're pushing twenty seven hundred watchers right now. Yeah. How many how many formulas are out there, and what are some of your favorites? Uh, I can tell you because that's the thing. Like, you just step into the uh, homebrew directory. So let's go there. That's what I'm doing right now in my terminal while you wait. Except it's not responding to my clicks. Okay. Right. So I go into user local. Then I go into library because I chose the library name incidentally because it's. Um, an OSX thing. People think that the seller and library, it's like a, a room theme that I came up with. But no, the, the theme is beer. <laughs> I, I got the, uh, this is like when I was in the pub and we were discussing this project, I was like, okay, well, what am I going to call it? What am I going to do? And like someone suggested I have a beer theme. I was like, yeah, excellent. <laughs> That'll be fun. And like as much as, now it seems a little unprofessional, it, it does help with your open source projects to have, something fun about it because it makes people tweet about it and it makes people blog about it and they're like oh I found this project and I thought it was funny they had like a beer theme and there was formula and there was a seller and things were installed into kegs etc and if you go through the source code it's kind of full of beer jokes incidentally but I don't know if that's your sort of thing but <laughs> absolutely it's, <laughs> it's not a good source code but it's full of good comments so let's see there's uh, 1167 formula currently, which is pretty good going. Like when I started the project, there was five, and I added them as I needed them. And then, like after like a month or so, the project turned up on a few people's radars, and I got a few contributions here and there. And as I was saying about being on GitHub, it's uh, it's just great. Uh, it makes it so easy for people to contribute. They just throw stuff at me, and uh, it, for the first like few months of the project, I, I struggled to keep up with contribution. After it took off, like. It only took off when Josh Peake from 37signals tweeted about it. He was like, I'm going to install Snow Leopard because it was just before Snow Leopard came out last year. Like, the project is like a year old. That's about it. I, I started building it after I left Lost FM 
uh, I started before then, and uh, I just continued at that point. And he said, oh, I'm going to source no leopard, and I'm going to use homebrew to manage my package management. And it was perfect timing in that respect as well, because like, people were installing fresh installs of OSX. So they were kind of looking for an alternative. And after that happened, um, I got like 50 forks that week, and then it went up to like 200 in a couple of months. And then since then, it's just it's been ridiculous, the amount of forks. People kind of fork, add, contribute, uh, make a pull request, and then they keep their fork around. Maybe uh, they do another uh, pull request here and there for like formula. Like I did design the system to be ridiculously simple to contribute to. That, that was one of the things I didn't like about Mac ports. I just didn't know how to contribute if I had a contribution. So you can type brew create at the command line and then the URL for the tarball for the thing that you're trying to make a formula for. And it automatically generates you the formula uh, as best it can. So you'll probably have to tweak it a little bit. But at that point, you maybe already have a contribution to the project. Uh, that has really helped. So I don't, we are the the most forked project on GitHub now since Rails disappeared a few weeks ago. I don't know what happened. <laughs> but uh, it, it, I can't exactly claim that's completely because it's the most exciting project. It is really because it's just so easy to contribute to it. People feel almost that it would be wrong with them not to because I made it so simple. So people, do they buy you beer whenever you meet up with them at meetups? <laughs> and uh, what's your favorite? <laughs> I've certainly had uh, a few threats of... Uh, pints but well the problem is like we're in london and uh, there isn't uh, such a thriving ruby community here it, it's certainly here like, i won't do uh, i won't deny it but I, I i feel that it's it's more in the states so well if anyone ever wants to invite me over for some of those conferences i'll certainly come but uh, my favorite beer well i'm a big fan of uh, the british ales as it happens i don't know if you guys ever tried one favorite brand like a, a british ale Oh, is that the actual brand? I just thought that was a... No, it's a, it's a type of beer. Oh, yes, <laughs> yes, the, the type, right? Uh, yeah, like you have uh, your microbrews in the States, and they tend to be uh, pale ales and IPAs, and they're very nice. I really like them, actually. But we have, like, the stuff that tastes a bit like pond water. But you, <laughs> you, you become, like, uh, used to the taste, and there's some really nice stuff. Um, my favorite is probably... There's a new brewery called Brew Dog, which is a Scottish brewery, and they, they're the ones making these crazy beers you might have heard of that, like... Uh, 42% and they brew them in a whiskey type fashion uh, but they do some normal stuff as well and they got this one that's a hardcore IPA it's called and it's got like a uh, interesting picture on the front they got a very clear identity and brand but the beer tastes delicious as well 42% alcohol volume as an 80 proof yeah wow. it's, a, it's a beer which is distilled they distill it with uh, ice it, it almost doesn't count it's not very nice actually the, uh, the nuclear penguin they, it's the tactical nuclear penguin is what they call it. <laughs> I could get behind it's, that. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, interesting. <laughs> um, but yeah, the beer thing was kind of, well, you know, I work in Old Street, which is, um, it has been coined the Silicon Roundabout, <laughs> uh, which we say with some chagrin, but uh, there is a lot of startups here and we do meet up a lot and uh, there's a lot of pubs and we tend to discuss our work with a few pints. So, yeah, the beer has been a part of my life, I guess. And that was part of the reason for the theme. So you built the Scrobbler over at Last FM, is that right? Yeah, exactly. I worked on all the 
clients side software. Are you a music we, guy? Uh, yeah, well, you know, worked on Amarok for three years. I've always been into my music, mostly for consumption purposes. I got into Amarok because I was interested in making the perfect music application. And to a certain extent, we did. At the time, it was revolutionary. There was nothing like it. And we pioneered concepts like uh, sticking the wiki page for the artist in the app. So while you were listening to music, you could see what the artist was if you hadn't discovered them before. Uh, there was nothing particularly like it before. And we were like heavy users of Last.fm metadata and data as well, which is how I got the job at Last.fm in the end, which is like a testament to working on open source can get you jobs at cool companies. <laughs> so now you're over at TweetDeck working on mobile, right? Yeah. Slinging Objective-C or... Uh, well, I just did the Android app, which uh, is in public beta at the moment, but we're going to be releasing like to the Android marketplace soon. So it's a great app. You should try it if you're on an Android phone. We decided to try something different with the Android app to what TweetDeck does currently. Like You might know the iPhone app, and we wanted to do new stuff and see what people's reaction was to it. And it's a great app. Really pleased with it. I love making apps. That's where all this comes from. I love making little things. What's your take on the, the state of open source on, on OS X? Uh, it's the best platform for us, open source, in my opinion, currently. I came from a Linux background. I switched to Mac tentatively because I appreciated the fact that the UI was solid and like, I wouldn't have to worry about my Wi-Fi drivers anymore and uh, things like that. The amount of times I recompile my kernel to make the Wi-Fi work and like, I was sitting there thinking, I want to be writing my software, <laughs> not messing around with the kernel. And so in the end, I was like, oh, okay, Mac looks pretty good. It's Unix underneath. I wasn't Unix. I don't know if where we'd be right now with OS X being a popular platform like it is with developers. The Unix underpinning is essential, in my opinion. And uh, it had a nice GUI, and I, everything just about works. And I started to find that there was a lot of really quality open source stuff on OS X. It's, it's funny how Apple's passion for like polish and um, good work comes through in what people expect their own apps should be like. Where people aren't happy with it being... I, I dare not say and offend Linux people, but like it is more mediocre there. I worked on the UI stuff for ages. I did two of my own apps there, which I felt I put a lot of time into, but like it just, it's a bit messy. And uh, you see like apps like Transmission and VLC on Mac, and they're, they're much better than the, uh, the equivalents of other places, and that's the GUI stuff. So speaking of OS X, do you have any other plans or any other ideas that you're brewing? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I got ideas for homebrew. I think it should integrate more with the system. Initially, I was so well. I, I wanted people to use it, you know. So I designed it so that it was self-contained in its own directory, so that you could just delete it and you know that everything's gone. There's no messing around. Um, but it's not so useful in that manner. Like you need to be able to have, for instance, jar files for Java developers. They need to go in library slash Java. Uh, otherwise, you have to mess around with your system some more. So I feel that the user local, if you install to user local, you're saying that we should put things in the places they should go. And we'll do it via symlinks, so you can still delete it. But that's the kind of thing I'm thinking of. I, I often play around with ideas for tools that I could use. Like I really want an app which uh, sits in my menu tray and just tells me when people I'm working with are committing to projects that they've forked from me. Like it pops up, etc., with growl. Uh, things like that, I always almost sit down on Saturdays and do. 
And like, I've got loads of little apps that I built on GitHub, like a little app that shows you f- uh, pictures your friends have taken on Flickr and uh, on the dashboard, because otherwise I, ne- I never go there and I never see that stuff. And uh, I wrote uh, an app for, uh, a web app for showing you comics that you're interested in. Uh, so I just wanted a place I could go and I click next, 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 and every day, and it shows me all the comics. And so I do do these things. But on those X itself, I don't know, I kind of feel that the future's mobile nowadays, I have to say, but that's just a consequence of where I, the industry I'm kind of working in for my job. You mentioned uh, the Android app, so iPhone or Android? Um, honestly, and I think this will cause me some problems but i prefer iphone i have to say but android is a very exciting platform it's definitely up and coming and the flexibility and the things you can do with it are very interesting uh just right now i'd rather have an iphone because it's it's got the better apps and they're more polished and there isn't a really good Android handset yet. I've heard good things about the Droid X. I've heard good things about the G2, which will hopefully come out soon. And the Galaxy Tab looks great. I've seen screenshots of my app running on it. I'm like, yes, uh, I'm begging Google to give me one, but I don't think they, they will. But, uh, but yeah, currently the iPhone's pretty awesome. So we're at that point where we kind of wrap up the show, but before we go, we always ask what uh, our guests have on their open source radio. So what's out there that's in open source that's got you excited you just want to play with it? Uh, I'm pretty interested by the uh, the Mac branch of VLC, the uh, classes, is it the classes branch? I have that on my GitHub radar and I watch it every so often. I forget exactly what it's called, I'm afraid. Uh, but you know they're trying to do a proper Mac app for VLC, and I'm every other Saturday I sit down and promise everybody that I'm going to make the, a great Mac music app. And like it's just the sort of thing I'm never going to have time for. So I am interested by what they're doing with VLC, and I almost have contributed to that several times myself. Uh, it's difficult with open source because there's not many good apps on mobile being done now. I think the most exciting area of open source right now is definitely server side stuff. And I don't personally deal with that very much nowadays, apart from through homebrew, of course. Like you asked me earlier what my favorite homebrew package was. I think it's definitely SL. It's the app that when you type LS, you get a choo-choo train come across the screen. It's great. Every time I type <laughs> it, I'm like, yeah. I almost like committed a typo for brew. I don't know what the common one would be, which would do something similar. <laughs> Any more questions, Wynn? No, that's it. You want to wrap? Um, the only thing I wanted to riff on really was the I kind of do like your idea for the notification thing for mm. reposts and stuff like that. So it's a, it could be a really fun tool to have because I know for me I hate to see uh, to sit there and like watch my my homepage more or less just watch that uh, that stuff. But I guess we do have to get uh, tail back up when it's in in process. So yeah, well I think it'd be really useful just to see uh, like especially uh, we use GitHub at TweetDeck of work uh, through my recommendation, as I would, I guess. And uh, we have private repos for everything. I, I want us to release some open source, and we probably will at some point, just for the sake of like looking like one of those brand names like Facebook, where they have like a GitHub presence. Uh, but I have some stuff that I did with the Android project, which would be useful, just tools I wrote, which facilitated some easier Android development. Well, hey, Max, we really appreciate you taking the time to spend some 
of your afternoon. I guess uh, what's that late night for you over there? Uh, evening. Yeah, late evening. So uh, we appreciate you taking the time to spend uh, with us, and appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, pleasure. Thanks.